Aloha, CCHMB, Hawaii alumni, and Gung Hei Fa Choi. It's Chinese New Year week, and guess who we have today to join us for our podcast this afternoon? We're so grateful for them, Peter and Joyce Chan, who are alumni of BYU Hawaii. They'll be joining us in just a minute. But I wanted to just make a quick announcement about these podcasts we have every week. As you know, every Friday we have the Aloha Friday podcast featuring alumni and friends of CCH and BYU Hawaii. And on Mondays, we have a Mentoring Monday podcast featuring alumni and friends and with a student host. And they'll talk about their careers um, with our students and helping to mentor them and prepare them. So today we have our Aloha Friday podcast with two of our wonderful alumni from Asia. And I thought about them, Eddie and I did, as we were thinking about guests who could speak today. We thought about Peter and Joyce because of what they're doing in Asia and helping our alumni <clears throat> and students from those parts of the world. And as you know, they've also been involved in many different things. Some of you might know. Peter works at BYU Provo and um, as an adjunct faculty there and also helps in other areas, specifically with Asia. And Joyce is working on her PhD currently. I'm going to have them tell you a little bit more about what they're doing and as they tell their story to us. But um, this week we are prepping for our Founders Week next week. So next week, um, our guests will be Tuyoni and Mahana Polotu for a special Founders Day Aloha Friday podcast. We hope you'll join us for that at 3 o'clock Hawaii time. And on Monday, for our Mentoring Monday podcast, we've invited Jack Soren, a famous artist and also alumni of alumnus of BYU Hawaii. So you're in for a treat, everyone, today and in the upcoming days uh, for as we gear and head towards our Founders Day weekend. Uh, so if you have questions for today's guests, please go ahead and send them in to us in the chat. We'll be um, sharing those with our guests, and we hope that um, you enjoyed today's show. Thank you again for joining us. So without any further ado, let's bring on Peter and Joyce Chan. Aloha. 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 How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. 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 So good to, to see you. Wondering, since you said, you said it in Cantonese already. <laughs> okay, you have to say it in Mandarin, Peter. Okay, 恭喜发财. 恭喜发财. Did you do this? <laughs> That's right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I know we celebrate with all of our alumni all over the world and uh, celebrate this new year. Now, you two were just here in Hawaii mm -hmm. with us just uh, last month. Thank you for being willing to speak today. I know you also spoke to our students last month. And that was a treat for them. We had well, students. Was, yeah. you know, I know. I mean, we had students from China, uh -huh. from Hong Kong, uh -huh. one student from Hong Kong, from Taiwan, right. and even a few others, right? That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. just so inspiring, your talks. of You know, I was privileged to be there and listen to you, and it was just so motivating and inspiring. So I hope yeah. some of those stories will come out today. <laughs> as you share with us your story, but please go on and um, 
add to what I shared briefly about your in, your introduction. Sure. Okay. Well, Leah, I want to te- first tell you, you know, why we choose the topic uh, today. Uh, I, I call it uh, the fun of dreaming big and pursuing it. And, and the reason I, I, I suggested this topic is because I come from a culture where uh, dreaming was not so much encouraged. At least when I was growing up, uh, my, my parents were just telling me, you know, just, just put your feet on the ground, okay? Don't dream, you know, don't think dream and just, just try to study hard. And, and in fact, when I was young, my mom uh, told me in a very loving way that I, I was no good in anything. She was nothing. She was very concerned that I, I may not amount to very much. No, my, oh. my mom was the most loving, most kind person. She was just expressing her concern. And that was very typical of a lot of the Asian parents. I Is that like reverse psychology? You know, they tell you. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> maybe, humility. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that changes, um, uh, you know, o- over the, the years, uh, especially for those uh, students uh, whose parents are members of church. Usually the, the second or third generation uh, of members of the church, they, they know more of the, the, the gospel perspective. But my parents were not members of the church. And... Um, so I, I really want to encourage our students to, to dream. Uh, and, and I think the, President McKay also wants us to dream, right? He, he wants yes. us to bring uh, uh, international peace. And, and you need to tr- dream about it. Uh, you need to pursue it so that uh, it, it can come to pass. And wow. uh, every time when you think about something that's outside of your immediate comfort zone, I think that's, that's dreaming. Oh, I love it. I love the title. I love this picture also. Can you tell me who this young man is, this little one? He's so oh, cute. This is the, the jewel of the family right now. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Angel Michael Tensha Chen, and uh, named after my, mother, uh, my, my father-in-law. Oh, I love it. One of my father-in-law, uh, my father, Michael right. Tensha Chen. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And this was taken in Utah, uh, where you live? Uh, in Singapore, yes. So Tianzhe in Chinese means heaven's gift. Oh, oh, I love that. He's our number one grandson for now. <laughs> How many grandchildren altogether? Two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know we're going to see a few pictures of your family in a minute, but... But yes, I love this picture. Now you said this was taken in Singapore. It looks a little bit oh, like Utah. Utah. This yeah. one was Utah in <laughs> the mountains, Wasatch. <laughs> and you folks live there in um, in Provo. In Spanish Fork, just south of Provo. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I certainly miss you still in in La Ie. Yeah, you know? thank you. Yeah, we we, we yes. miss La Ie very much. Yeah, it, it was great. You know, when we were in the same ward together, so I really got to know you both well. And I know you shared a few of those sentiments, uh, Joyce, to the students when you were coming driving back to La Ie for the. It's been a few years, right, since you've been here. Yeah, yeah. So, what Hawaii, was the expression you used? Yeah. So Hawaii was. Um, we considered Hawaii our home too, our second mm-hmm. home, and when we came. To Haleiwa, Peter asked, how are you feeling? I said, oh, very emotional. Yeah. Because uh, so many memories, so many students. Mm. We have changed. 
Yes. What is the expression you use in Chinese? Oh, very touched. Very touched. Yes. Oh, very touched. I said it wrong. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. Um, certainly, Laie has a special place. I think in many of our alumni's hearts. You know, they still remember it very fondly. Um, I just Eddie and I were with an alumni today from California that wow. we had danced together with many years ago. Who's that? You know? Yeah, her uh, last name was Beck. Uh, that's her maiden name, but she's um, a Liang Wu. She's married to a fellow from Samoa. Ah, but you know, you know, it's just the same where they just say, you know, I didn't want to leave here as a student. And, you know, when I come back, it just has a special place in my heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad that you're with us today. Thank you. Thank you. We're so honored to be here. Okay. Um, should I uh, share my slideshow? Yes, let's go ahead. All right. Okay, so uh, we'll talk story. Okay, <laughs> it's yes. with me, and and so here are some pictures of me uh, going from the left to the right, and uh, so I was born in China during the Cultural Revolution. So uh, a lot wow. uh, different than than uh, today. And later, I grew up in Hong Kong, joined the church in Hong Kong. And that was a changing point in my life. I, I have had many changing points in, in my life, but that was the initial changing point in my, in my life because it changed me from someone who had no idea and no interest in school, no idea about school or family, to someone who, who really uh, want to uh, go to BYU Hawaii and, and uh, serve a mission. It took me five years to, to work on those two goals, going to BYU Hawaii and going on a mission to achieve those. And uh, later, I, I did serve a mission. Uh, there was a picture of me and my family just before I, I left on my mission. Wow. Now, how did you find the church? About his conversion. Oh. Yes. Yes, I'd like to know how you found the church. Notice how he looks. You know? <laughs> he looks like a... <laughs> Lots of hair. <laughs> Well, uh, I I was uh, not uh, very not not really pursuing that uh, uh, learn to, to learn about Christianity, uh, but I was a Buddhist, and uh, I studied in a Buddhist school for six years, and so I was very good with Buddhism. I even had a Buddhist name called the the, the Lights of the Buddha, and uh, but but then I I was very curious about these missionaries. They seem to be quite sharp and quite normal and healthy and bright. But then I, I was thinking, you know, did they have some psychological problems that they have to believe in, in a God to, to rely on? And so I thought I wanted to share some of my Buddhist beliefs with these missionaries. And the visitor center over there had very good con air conditioning at that time. And so I, I said, okay, I'll go in there and chat with them and enlighten them with my Buddhist teachings. And uh, but I apparently they were better missionaries than me, and so I, I'm here. <laughs> but the changing point in that conversion process was my first prayer. I um, told myself that uh, well, they they I asked them many questions, and they talked to me for a long time over a period of time, and eventually uh, they they said, Peter, you know, I I can talk. We can talk all day long, but then. You, you really need to pray about it, to find out if God answers your questions. 
And so I, I told myself, uh, if God really answers my questions, then, then it's great. I, I have found the ultimate truth in this universe. But if not, I, I literally said to myself, I'm going to go back and kick their bottom. You know, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> on a bright sunny day uh, in our little apartments in Hong Kong, it was less smaller than uh, 400 square feet. And there are always people in that uh, uh, in our home of a family of five. But on that day, there's nobody. And so I, I, I nailed down, nailed down multiple times and, and told myself, I really need to let this see, you know, if there's really a God who would answer my prayer. And so I asked the questions that the missionaries asked me to ask, whether Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, whether the Book of Mormon was true, whether the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was really a gospel, uh, what, what was the true Church of, of Christ. But most importantly, I also asked, God, are you really there? You know, if you really exist, would you please answer my prayer? And that was the first time in my life, from my head to my toes, I just felt that strong feelings in, in my heart. And I opened my eyes immediately I, that's because I thought that there's an angel in front of me. And um, but that feeling was just so strong. I, I literally just stood up and started jumping up and down in that <laughs> apartment. Right. And, and uh, soon after that, it didn't take the missionary very long to, to baptize me. And after right. I was baptized, I said to myself, I, I want to change. I, I want to go to BYU Hawaii. I, I learned about it from missionaries. And I also want to be a missionary to share that gospel with others. Wow, it's amazing. And how long ago was that, Peter? Oh, that's like, what, 200 years ago? <laughs> how old were you? I was, I was 16. I'm, 16. I'm 54 now, so all, almost 40 years. Jeez, yeah. wow. And what a blessing you've been all these years now. Wow. In the church, you're a bishop now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. In, wow. in the Provo, Ashmont 22nd Ward, which is really the Provo Chinese Ward. That's cool. How many yeah. members in your ward? Oh, we have a lot. Uh, we have more than 300 members. Oh. And before COVID, our average sacrament attendance was about 200. Uh. So it's considered, I mean, in a typical Utah ward, it, it may not be very big. But uh, it, it was probably one of the largest Chinese-speaking church units in the church. How, how, now, is that, that's a new ward too, right? Oh, it, it has been around for 20 years. Okay, we actually were graduate students in Provo uh, when our bishop submitted the proposal to, to, to ask the church to, to create that ward. It, it was a very unique process too. And... and uh, uh, President John H. Krupert at, at that time, uh, he was serving in the area presidency. He was the one who, who helped us uh, establish that ward. Oh, that's wonderful. Jeez. Mm -hmm. And you serve in that ward too, right, Joyce? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We serve as a graduate student, Relief Society, immediately after the oh. new branch started, primary president. Then after that, the young woman president, I was saying, uh, do you feel really? Are you really sure that you want to call me because I <laughs> burn out from working and studying uh, the graduate? Uh, and then, yeah, they say, yeah, yeah. So okay, okay. So, <laughs> done it all. 
Well, and these are your pictures, Joyce? Yes. So I was born in, and raised in Singapore. Uh, you can see me on the left, small little, with my dad and my brother um, uh. in a village, a wooden hut, you know, small little wooden huts. And the whole village has only one fresh water uh, faucet tap tap water we call it really everybody will line up there to get their pills to get water and i will bathe there and all that right we come start from very humble beginnings and in the middle picture you see me when i was about 10 11 years old at that time i decided um i would like to be a teacher and at that time i also decided of all the religions uh, singapore has that freedom to worship yes which one should i go yeah. And I just finished feeding my grandmother, great grandmother, and she's invalid. I gave her lunch and I took a bus home when I was about that age, 11, 10. And, yeah. and I, I passed by a Chinese temple with the incense burning. I said, hmm, Chinese. And then after the next one was an Indian Vishnu god with the elephant god yeah. uh, situated very peacefully next to a Catholic church. Then the next bus stop was a mosque with Allah, Allah. And they were saying their prayers on a Friday, <laughs> a lot on the speaker. Then the bus turned and there was a Methodist church. And I said, you know, which religion should I join? And I thought about my family. They, are, they worship a lot of different gods, Chinese gods. And there was one, one black-faced, bearded god with a spear. <laughs> or this. I was like, ooh. <laughs> worship that. And mm. then there's a picture of Jesus appear in my mind's eye and I decided I think it feels right to be a Christian so I went to different churches and asked many questions who God is and say God is so big you know he feels the whole university so small it can be in your heart and I said okay who is God and who is Jesus and what is the atonement and say it's at one moment he paid for your sin I said okay and who is God and Jesus and Holy Ghost they said they are one person I said uh-huh so why is Jesus praying to himself then? You know, those are many questions. And then my auntie, Auntie Christina Chan, was a from BYU Hawaii. Uh, yeah, she sent missionaries over. Mm -hmm. I the gospel at the age of about 11. And then I, that was very interesting. They said, Joyce, you don't have to hear what I said. You don't have to believe. You just know that every sincere prayer, God will hear and answer. I go, yeah, and, and that's the first thing I like to know that was so different is my relationship with God. That God is my Father in heaven, and He loves me, beloved mm -hmm. daughter of God. I was going. <coughs> that is something I like to know, and if that is true, I will spend my whole life following God, this heavenly Father. Yes, you did. And yeah, so I, I pray, and I got my answer first time. Oh, I with you. That was about 11, 12, that age. Very young. Choice. And then I decided Very to go young. to church by myself and wear the same dress because that's all I could afford, <laughs> that one dress. And then I go to church and my parents say, I cannot get baptized because, you know, I'm too young and people tell you baptize, you baptize, and this is a call. Da, 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 da. So I leave the gospel until I was 15 years old. Then finally, after many sets of missionaries and going to church and living the gospel, my parents say, okay, I can join. So 15 years old, I joined the church. Wow. And over there, you can see I love sports. So until now, I just love it. I love challenges. So triathlon is something I love to try. Wow. Amazing. I love I love hearing your conversion stories. You know, just 
Such a great, you sound a little like Joseph Smith, really just kind of checking out all the churches and really, you know, just trying to see which one is the right one. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all good. You feel good. But when I step into the church in Singapore, the Tima Chapel, outside, I feel the spirit telling me I'm home. You know, that is just a great feeling. Oh, I love that. We, all, we all need to go through that same process that Joseph Smith has gone through, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah, yeah. we all need to ask questions and, and find our own answers. Yes. And I see that you ran a triathlon. Is that right? Oh, yes, yeah. I love triathlons. I love oh, challenges. So over I here, I like to share something very important. Um, because the gospel changed my life, I wanted to be a missionary. And so when I went on my mission, um, I was called to a Singapore-Malaysia mission. It's one of the toughest missions in the whole church. church because you have only one or two baptisms a year. Imagine Singapore, one or two baptisms. And, mm -hmm. and so, but the last six months of my mission, uh, uh, our pre mission president, Houghton's son, Brian Houghton, who's working in the faculty here. Yes, yes. In a, gen in a zone conference about how to find the Lord's elect. And if you keep the Lord's commandments and everything, and you covenant with him. Uh, and so my mission, my six months of my mission left, I, I do everything he said, and immediate, we have immediate success. We, we got weekly baptisms. Our teaching pool just went big, and we teach about 25 to 30 discussions a week. Wow. And we are just getting very busy. And so um, what... If you want to find out more, you say findingelect.org uh, or you go to my Facebook call, Finding the Lord's Elect. Over there, you can see at the bottom of the page uh, is President Ogil. Yes, uh, I see. President um, invited me to share this uh, method, which is far. Which he is later from, became the, the mission president, right? Yeah, In mission the, president uh, of the Irvine, California mission. Mm -hmm. Yes. We share all the missionaries and they have immediate success too. It was so fun. I go there many times and we have so many stories to share. But I just want you to know that, uh, yeah. So I shared that later on uh, with the Hong Kong mission 25, 20 years ago. And then I shared it with recently the, and the other Hong Kong mission and they all have immediate success. And so the principles are found in the finding section of Preach My Gospel, but it is in a systematic way. So if, if you have sons, grandsons um, going on mission, Tell them to go finding the Lord's elect uh, and hear the training I did with uh, Vaughn Ogil and uh, video recorded. What I like to show is this one here. Uh, this family called the Selvaragu family. Uh. The end of three months towards the end of my mission, I asked the Lord, I want to share the gospel to families, not just single adults, you know, and and the number, how many can I find? And the Father in Heaven says 16. I go, okay. And Selva Radhu family is there. So, but before that, let me backtrack on finding the Lord's elect. Why is it possible? It's possible because you are worthy. You keep all the commandments and you ask the Lord, where is his elect? Where is his sheep? He knows where they are, but we go street contacting on the spur of a moment. No, we make a covenant with the Lord and says, on Monday, on, on Tuesday at 1 p.m., we have time to go street co contacting or door knocking. Where should we go? We ask. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit will tell you where to go. And, uh. you there, and when you share the gospel, you will definitely find someone, 
96% of the time, you'll always find someone ready to hear the gospel right then and then. You share a discussion. You teach for 15, 20 minutes. And then in two weeks, they get baptized. And it's always interesting to know where and how they come to that place. Yes. Some of them would say, uh, you know, in the, the Hong Kong missionaries would say, we felt to go to Hong Kong headquarters and the spirit says, go outside now, now. And then they went out and they find that, oh, this couple just received news that their father um, got cancer. And they wonder what's, what's the purpose of life, you know. And, mm -hmm. and so we have so many interesting testimonials you can hear from that Facebook or that blog. But okay. family. let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, he, he, his boss was a Motorola boss. He's a member of the church. And he was so amazed at his examples. And he saw he went to a convention in Hawaii and he saw the Mormon temple. He said, oh, I'd like to know more. That's my boss, church. And he's a Catholic. He was a Catholic. So he took a taxi ride around all the way to Laie Temple and was toured around that whole area. And he signed a little card. What are you interested in? And what connects with him was families can be together forever. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, missionaries, me and my companions, you can see, we were there, received a card all the way from USA, Laie Temple. Wow. And he tells us to go and visit him. And, and so we said, okay, let's go. And on that night we went, it was pouring rain and we couldn't find his address. And we prayed and see whether this is a fake address or is not, you know. And the spirit says, go and ask people. I said, oh, okay. We asked the people and found his home. And when we went under pouring rain, the wife opened the door and said, oh, missionaries all the way from USA, she's thinking, you know. <laughs> us in otherwise she would have told us no 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 and brother Severaju was home and we taught him the gospel and he read the book woman that very night and prayed and he got the answers and from him it was hard because their their father was um their father was the bishop of the catholic church so they would attend both but um they mastered the courage they know it's true and they went and joined the church and his Father, his father is the old man you can see there in the screen, 104-year-old man. Wow. After they got baptized, several Ragu family, Ragu family, the, um, the, the father was a Chinese man who adopted Brother Severagu when he was young. And he owned a coffee shop for 80 years of his life. Whenever we teach him, uh, went to uh, teach him, he, he would have a cup of tea beside him. So... <laughs> Imagine what a wisdom time. We, we prayed real hard. And, you know, one thing he said when we told him the principle of word of wisdom, he says, I says, uh, Dada, will you obey the word of wisdom? And Dada says, imagine he's 104 years old. We have to say three times to make sure he understands what we're asking him. Will you, Tata, live this word of wisdom? Mm. And quiet. And he said, if God wants Tata to stop drinking tea, I will do so right now. Hmm. So he drank tea all his life, but he, that is his commitment. And so we, we, you know, got him baptized. And all the four Severagu family yeah. children all came through BYU Hawaii. All of them went on a mission. Celestine, uh, the second one in the middle, mm -hmm. in white, she was the valedictorian. 
And oh my goodness. It could be great, great individuals. So um, sharing the gospel is just amazing. I just want them to know that, check it out. Uh, the book is free. Everything is free. Just go to Facebook, Finding the Lord's Elect and no more. How you can bring people ready to hear the gospel into the church. I love that, Joyce. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to go download my copy. <laughs> okay. Go look at that. Yeah, feel her missionary spirit still there. I love it. I love it. Thank you. I know somebody in this picture. I, I know. Yeah. I used to work with Ron <laughs> many years ago. Right. Well, Wonderful. I have to show you this, these, these two pictures, you know, because... Uh, coming from the, the, the background where, where I was in, in Hong Kong, um, I, I wasn't, uh, like, like what I said, you know, I wasn't interested in studying before I joined the church. And so because of that, my teacher hated me <laughs> and I hated school. And, and uh, so we were enemies. But then um, after I joined the church, that, that changed. Uh, but, but the school uh, system in Hong Kong is still kind of limiting. But when I came to BYU Hawaii, that changed. It gave me so many opportunities. I was in the School of Business Student Senate. I, uh, here is a picture of the, uh, the campaign picture of the Hong Kong uh, Club Presidency. Uh, and so three of us were campaigning to be the Hong Kong Club Presidency. And, and we even have a brochure and, and, uh, wow. and uh, uh all the things that we wanted to achieve and all that. And so you see Ron and Alan. And, and so 10 years later, we did a reenactment, you know. We do it again. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll see us all, all bald and bald and fat. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so BYU Hawaii really gave me the opportunity to do a lot of things that uh, I otherwise would have never attempted to do. Uh, after I received my doctorate degree, I actually went back to Hong Kong and taught a master's degree course at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. And I remember one time I was walking on that campus, I was thinking to myself, if I had not gone to BYU Hawaii and laid a foundation and then later went to graduate school, I, 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 and, and, and if I had stayed in Hong Kong, I, I probably wouldn't even be qualified to enter the Chinese University of Hong Kong uh, to, to be a student, not to say uh, to teach in a master's degree program. And, mm. and so I am just very grateful for Popular Hawaii. That's great. Wonderful. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> so over here, you see our family. Peter and I met. Um, we have a lot of people. I wanted to, when I came after my mission, fresh off my mission to BYU, Hawaii, I said, um, thank the Lord. I said, I want to go. Hmm, I discovered there's no special education. So I thought maybe I should go BYU Provo. And the Lord says, no, stay. Hmm. And you have to go by faith. And then become a, a Sunday school teacher. And uh, our Tongan presidency, uh, Bishop Freak presidency, laid his hands on my head to set me apart as a Sunday school teacher. He says, you magnify your calling and the Lord will give you a blessing. I was thinking, what? Only one blessing? <laughs> no, it's all it's called blessings. Oh, maybe it's one blessing. But but you know, it so happened that when I magnify my calling, hey, Matt Peter came to our ward, and so that was amazing. Uh, uh, that was your blessing. That was my eternal blessing. So, no. <laughs> and 
are my kids. You can see the three. Uh, the oldest is Jasmine with the red glasses at the bottom with a dog. Yes, Jasmine. And then number two is uh, Josh with his cute little angel and Miranda. Yes. Here. And oh. then the other one is our baby, uh, Jared. He's planning to go on his mission. So, and then hopefully he hopes to come to BYU too. Hawaii. Yes, I hope he will also. So this are our little family and how things change. But we want to tell you more about what's happening. We love that. So yeah. uh, for me, the Lord professionally, the Lord always intervenes. So both of us graduate from BYU Hawaii in 1995 with Jasmine. And then we went to Hong Kong to work for two years. And after that, we realized that Hong Kong is a fascinating city. If you don't sleep, you can earn so much money. But <laughs> you have to be smart. You can either work like crazy and earn that much money, or you go and get a higher education and earn that much money with such a, in such a short time. So we went to BYU Provo, and Peter went ahead to get his master's and also doctorate. I got my master's in education leadership. And while I was there, the spirit told me, you got to get a certification in special education. I was going, what? And I did, nevertheless. And I realized um, at BYU, Hawaii in 95, one year before, the Lord told me, you got to get a certification so that you'll be recognized in Hong Kong. I said, oh, then I, I took 21 credits just to get that secondary teaching TESOL education. Uh, um, but I was so blessed with master teachers teaching me all the time yeah. in all my classes, graduate and undergrad. And then we went to, when we graduate in the middle, you see with the two kids, I was ready to be a mother. Oh, I love that. I love these pictures. Not work. <laughs> but in my dream, I saw that I was in a classroom teaching students from all over the world. Oh. Said, what is that? That could only be BYU Hawaii. Why are we going to BYU Hawaii? Wait, <laughs> we are thinking of going back home to Asia and work because we got some offers already. Mm -hmm. And Peter hasn't graduated yet from his doctorate at that time, just his master's, right? And and the I went to the temple to pray. And it felt good. So I went down to the international student office to get apply for my OPT uh, after my master's. And the lady said, whoa, you know, if you don't come today, this week, you will not ever work anymore because wow. it would have expired. They give you about 60 days after your graduation to apply for it. So there, then they, they, they asked Peter to come to BYU Hawaii to help with a minor program and all that, right? And yeah. then I was teaching also, and oh, so many lives we changed, and so many. It was such a wonderful experience. So on the right hand side were our students uh, trying to learn English. At the mm -hmm. bottom, after after that, um, we taught at BYU Hawaii until two thousand eight, and then we came to Provo, and I teach at BYU, pre helping pre service teachers how to be good ESL teachers. Mm -hmm. And after that, we help. Uh, teach at UVU and all that. And then we help set up international schools in China. And then um, just three, two years ago, the spirit says, Joyce, it's time to get your doctorate. I said, what? And he <laughs> said, yes, 
I said, uh, and he's told me I should help BYU Pathway. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh. So I applied for BYU doctorate degree in School of Education there. And I also applied for Johns Hopkins. And I got accepted by both. And the Lord says, Johns Hopkins. I go, it's going to cost us $100,000 at least. <laughs> oh, you dedicate your life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and I went in and, and it's great because this is an online university, has been in there for about 10 years. They know how to run an online higher education system and provide that great support. So I understand why it is so rigorous, but I understand why the Lord wants me to do it. So, uh, so he, uh, history is still in a process. We'll see what happens with my doctorate. Oh, boy. You need to take another picture with your kids, yeah, with your graduation. <laughs> yes, I would like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so impressive. So impressive. Well, well you I, know, Leigh, I like to make comments, you know. Um, during our time, we did not have the iWork program, right? But we had something similar. We, we were both sto- sponsored students because we all uh, both come, came from uh, families with little means. And um, so we were not required to, to go home immediately, uh, but then uh, we, we took present case charge very seriously and what we did want to go home and, 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 and serve. And so after we graduated from BYU Hawaii, we didn't even apply for the op- uh, optional practical training. We, we immediately went back to Hong Kong and, and, and served. But, but that was, you know, when we went over there, we also discovered that, um, we, like Joyce said, we, we were... Um, uh, our knowledge was limited. You know, we, we need to get a higher education. And that's when we went to ProFol. Mm-hmm. And after we, we got our degrees from ProFol, we also thought that we would go back to, to Hong Kong or, or Asia. Um, but the, the, the spirit prompted us to go to BYU Hawaii. And uh, I think in a sense, while we were in Hawaii, we, we continued to fulfill that, that charge um, but but even though uh, uh, you know we were uh, not not in Asia, but I, I went back to to Asia multiple times a year, uh, even just before COVID, I was still doing that, and so we're still trying. So um, what uh, I'm showing here were some uh, some things that I, I did when I was a graduate student at BYU Hawaii, uh, BYU Provo. I developed a technology for training teachers. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, my uh, feeling, you know, both, both of our feelings was that uh, uh, our, our mission is to, to serve our own people, especially through education. So we went to Northern China. I'm from the South and I have never been to the North. And, and so I, we went to Northern China, we went to Beijing and started a partnership with Beijing Normal University and we developed a technology to train teachers. And that, teach, that technology was used by the Ministry of Education as well as the, the mm-hmm. Beijing Normal University to train a lot of the, the, the teachers in Beijing as well as in other areas. So we had the technology and then they had a, a, a number of national events for, for launching this technology and the contents for training the teachers. Yeah. And so that was a lot of fun. That's and, cool. What it, what kinds of things did it train the teachers in, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So um, we we partner with Beijing Normal University. They provide the contents. We provide the technology. The content 
they provide what's called the training, uh, the, 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 the thinking skills, develop the, the thinking skills of the teachers as well as the, the students. And um, so uh, we, we, in the, we, we videotape a number of uh, the different classrooms uh, to see how these concepts were applied in those, uh, in those classrooms. And then we have different uh, uh, professors, teachers, and parents commenting, talking about what's happening in that classroom. And so from education, we call that providing the learners the cognitive eyes to see what is happening in that scenario. Otherwise, sometimes uh, they, they, they may not know what they're seeing. You know, they just see you know, teachers doing things, but uh, giving them the, the commentaries of what's happening, they, they, they give them the, the cognitive eyes. And, and then the, the users of that technology, they can also construct their own cases using the, the multimedia uh, materials that we provided to them. And, and so remember that that was the late 90s and early 2000s. And so that was pretty high tech you know, during those yeah. days. Sorry, I just wanted to ask, because I know you've been involved with instructional technology for many years. So yeah, that's great. Wonderful. And so later, when I went back to BYU-Hawaii, I also brought that technology, a, a more updated version uh, of that technology back to BYU-Hawaii. And so you see here, I, I brought uh, some uh, Mongolian students to Mongolia to help the medical university in Mongolia. To, to develop a training program. And at that time, how, how it started was the academic vice president, Keith Roberts at that time, yeah. took a group of faculty members. I, I remember about seven of us. And, and he, he basically said to us, the church is just starting in Mongolia. We want to do something that can contribute to Mongolia. And so he talked to seven of us and, 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 and kind of just explore, you know, what, what are you guys, what can you guys do? To, to, to help. And, and so because I, I had a technology that can be used for training purposes, and, and so I said, well, why don't we use this? And, and um, the medical university was just eating it up. They said, okay, we really need that. And so uh, our students work with the medical professors over there very closely in developing training for appendectomy, thyroidectomy, OPGYN, <laughs> uh, nursing and things that I I couldn't do, <laughs> but I, I as a technologist, we were able to to capture that, and and we film all those procedures in, and wow. in the in the middle, you 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 won't be able to recognize that the that there's a tall man uh, in the in the middle uh, wearing the mask. Uh, that's David Wade. Uh, one what is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mask or the yeah. green one? Uh, this second one. to the last, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the only howdy man. <laughs> yeah, I worked with David in uh, Saito. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and, and yeah. so he went over there to assist me. Oh, that's cool. And and uh, and the bottom, there, there's this uh, picture of this young lady. Uh, yep, you remember her name, Togi. Yeah, Tog Chin. And uh, she was working as my assistant. And one day we were just wrapping up one of these multimedia uh, DVD ROMs uh, and get to, to to send over, send back to to Mongolia. Mm -hmm. She said to me, "This is Father Chen. Thank you so much." She, she said, you know, you, you save the people 
you save the lives of my people and uh, by by helping to improve the medical training in the country and now um as as teachers we we sometimes do hear some nice comments <laughs> but uh, very often we hear somebody say to us that thank you for saving the lives of my people and and so that was very touching to me what an amazing project that involved our students you know and they, they have a great time and in that they have they, they work so hard mm -hmm. you, you know the Mm -hmm. uh, we can see this this picture. This this picture on the uh, left bottom corner was still during the day. On that same setting, we work until I think one one a.m. You know, with all the uh, medical professors uh, editing the the content and uh, uh, just identifying the clips and. And, and and giving them the letting them comments on what's happening in those videos and and they work very hard and and th those became the highlights of the college career too. Oh, that's great! And we also went to Porto Alegre in, in Brazil. Brazil, yeah, to help oh. them establish those programs. Really, yeah. yeah, they 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 learn about our technology and said that uh, they also want to use that. Uh, technology to train their medical students and so we work with the psychiatrist de department and videotape a lot of the uh, interviews that they did with the, the patient actual patients and and you, they, they use their materials to, to train their, their students and 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 so at that time we had several students from uh, South America and and so they were able to help with that uh, the project and it was very meaningful Jeez, what a neat project. Oh. Is that still being used today, by chance, I wonder? What's that? Is that still being used today? Not, not that particular technology, because uh, te the thing about technology is that it changes all the time, right? Yeah. I just was curious. Just yeah, in case. Some of those don't work anymore, but, but <laughs> we have some, some newer ones that, that are yeah. being used differently. Yeah, we, we, we have a, a assessment tool that, that uh, we, we sponsor and, and that was being used, uh, that they're still being used by many universities. Yes, wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so, so, yeah, go ahead. No, what is this that we're looking at? I see BYU Hawaii um, there. Based on that technology, we, um, we, we, we did some conferences in China. We, we did uh, about seven national conferences with uh, master teachers from every single province in China to, to receive the training from BYU. And then later when I came back to BYU-Hawaii, I also got our School of Education involved. And so John Bailey and Roy Winstead and Barry Mitchell and all those all the old, old School of Education faculty were involved with me in, in training the Chinese teachers. But I found that these conferences was a good, very good way to, to help share our best practices with the world, you know, without making any type of like long-term commitments <coughs> that they commit our university resources. That's and so cool. you, you can see on top there in, in front of the foyer was the ninth annual Global Chinese Conference on Computers in Education. So at that time, we brought over more than uh, 200, about 250 200 over, yeah. Yeah, top academics in uh, instructional technology from China, 
mainland China, Taiwan, the Hong Kong area, and, and also North American, the, uh, the Chinese academics in North American universities to come over uh, to, to BYU Hawaii for that event. Yeah. And, and, and we have about, I was in charge of helping like we have volunteers, 400 yeah. volunteer students yeah. spending yeah. 10,000 hours for this conference. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. professional. We were so <laughs> That's a lot of students. Yeah. <laughs> and they all had a good time. Yeah. And, and, and uh, uh, the, the, the event itself, you know, the event organ, organized uh, from Asia, they, they were very impressed with BYU Hawaii. That's great. And uh, on the right hand side, uh, that uh, like after that, we continue to partner with like Beijing Normal University to do a number of events. And, and the one on the right hand side was 2019 uh, uh, China Education Innovation Expo. And and because of our partnership with Beijing Normal University, BYU was the only North American uh, university that, that was invited you know, to be the main sponsor of that event. And so we, we represented the United States in that event. And uh, they said they had um, about 100,000 teachers that attended our event and other two to three million that, that watch it online. And um, so, uh, you know, at, at the bottom, that, that long picture is one of the opening sessions that they did. It was like a rock, rock concert, <laughs> but it was Zhe Qingning. It, it looks like it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. A lot of people. It was fun. And, and we also tried to uh, do some events on campus in, in Provo. And uh, that, that's a picture of the first BYU China Conference. And the whole event was completely organized by students. And uh, next week we'll be having the seventh annual BYU China Conference, also you know, completely organized by the students. I, I, I am the, well, yeah, this year we'll be doing, well, some hybrid se sessions, but most of the time it was face-to-face. -face. We have celebrities, we have politicians, we have had a lot of senior uh, the business executives that, that talk to these students and the, so the students had, had some close uh, interaction with these, these, these executives. Yeah, That's great. What a wonderful experience for them. What a neat, neat conference. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we, are, we are still doing these things. Mm. And uh, now in uh, 2020, 2021, because of COVID and because of the strained U.S.-China relationship, Many people thought that, okay, uh, there's probably not, not that much we can do with China right now. Well, last year was one of the years that we were so, one of the busiest years that we had in terms of uh, China-related activities. And while we are here in the US, China organized three national level photo exhibitions of a, uh, a, a woman of a Mormon pioneer heritage. Uh, her yeah. name is Helen Foster Snow. And BYU, uh, the library was the one that provided the photos of this, this woman. This woman has very significant impacts in China during the 30s. And, and even today, they're still celebrating her life. And, and so right now, this, this photo exhibition is still happening. Uh, they, they finished uh, one in Jiangxi province. Right now, they are doing an exhibition in Hunan province. 
After Hunan, it will be Hubei province. After Hubei province, it will be Shanghai. And then it will culminate in, in Beijing. And um, so uh, we have been doing, we have been busy doing a, a lot of uh, these activities. And, and these are just some of the, the major activities. There, there are some other activities that are still ongoing too. Can you tell us a little bit about what Helen has done for China? Yeah, Helen went to China in 1931, and um, she stayed there for 10 years to report some of the major events that happened in China as a war co correspondent. And uh, she also became an activist in, in, in involving some of the students in, in uh, changing the, the country. For example, the December 9th movement uh, was something that she introduced to the world. That, that because of that event, the Chinese people learn about the invasion of the Japanese to the northeast area. And be, before that, the, the, the nationalist governments actually want, wanted to hide it, you know, because they, they didn't want the people to know that the Japanese had already invaded China. But, but Hannon uh, 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 supported the, the students to, to inform the, the country about it because she felt that that was the right thing to do. And then later, she also went to the caves of the communist headquarters and reported the, the actual uh, the happenings in, in, in that uh, area. And, and because of that, uh, later the U.S. sent, um, uh, I don't know if you have heard of, the, the Dixie mission to, to the communist headquarters and set, set up a U.S. base inside the communist headquarters. And because at that time, we were allies. And then later, Helen also introduced a, a economic concept called the cooperatives to China. Now, those who have been to Utah might have seen the cooperatives. There, there are lots of cooperatives in Utah and even in, in her hometown called City City and, and there's a co-op store. And, and so uh, the early moment pioneers already were practicing cooperative and, and Helen introduced that concept to the Chinese and that really revived the economy and saved many lives, you know, because now they have jobs, they have, they have food, they, they have the, the things they need. And, and what is so amazing is that her influence was not only in China. Uh, uh, for, for example, one of the three Song sisters in, in China where, where they were the most influential women in China. She took that book and, and gave that to um, uh, uh, Naru, and Nauru, while he was in uh, the, the British prison, and, and Nauru, uh, after he was released from, from the British prison, he became the first prime minister of India. So he, you know, if you have watched the movie Gandhi, that, yes. that's the prime minister that, that worked closely with Gandhi. And when, when he read Helen's book, he, he said, this is the answer to India. And so he uh, in, uh, implemented that, that uh, cooperative economic model in India very extensively. And even last year, so this is still happening, okay? Last year, India started a ministry of cooperations and, and that is to continue this, this cooperative legacy and, and to help the different communities. So this is a pretty incredible uh, that, uh, uh, individual and I, I encourage anyone who is interested in China to learn about this person, Helen Foster Snow. And, and one more thing, in fall this year, 
I'm going to offer a course called the U.S.-China, a special study of U.S.-China relations through the life of Helen Foster Snow. And, and it will be a, an online hybrid course. And, and if there are people in the Hawaii campus who are interested in offer this, offering this course, we'll, we'll share this course with, with, with you too. Oh boy, she's had an incredible influence, mm-hmm. you know, and that's our one of our pioneers, right? Yeah, that's right. Just amazing. Uh, both, both of her parents come from pioneer uh, heritage, and uh, her mother was a religious society president, and uh, also a very active suffragist. Uh, she went to uh, Chicago and sat on those campaign uh, cars to 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 support women's rights to vote. Amazing. And that was a few years after Elder McKay had gone over to China, right? Yeah, 10 years after that. that. Is that your next slide? Yeah. Yes. For bringing that up. Where did you find these slides, by the way, or these pictures? <laughs> well, um, actually, uh, President McKay's journal talked about uh, her, his experience quite extensively. Hugh Cannon also published a book that, uh, that was about uh, President McKay's uh, World War. And, and uh, that book, I believe, has these two pictures. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I know, um, I think it was, you might know this better, uh, shortly after he had visited Asia, he came to Hawaii, right? Right, that's and right. It, and it was there that he stopped in Laie, mm-hmm. uh, which was the gathering, still is, the gathering place for the church. and witness that flag raising ceremony yeah and let, let me just tell you a little bit more about that that trip of course you're familiar with that trip but let, let me tell a little bit about it from a chinese perspective please and i hope that because he visits so many countries and i hope that you know everyone who is from one of those countries that he visited will will be able to look at the significance of his visit from from the perspective of, of their country, yeah. And, and uh, as, as a Chinese, we recognize the significance of, of his visit to, to China at that time. He, he went from Salt Lake City to, to uh, Vancouver and took the ship to Japan. And Japan, he found a pretty orderly society. And then later he went to uh, Korea and from Korea and took the train to, to Beijing. When he went to Beijing, he found that the country was chaotic, was not orderly at all, you know, like, like Japan. What year was that? That was 1921. Yes. And it was uh, 10 years after the establishment of the, uh, the end of the Qing Dynasty. And because of that, China was still not having a centralized, uh, powerful government. The, the different regions were seized by different warlords. And Beijing at that time was controlled by a warlord and, and it wasn't co- controlled by the central government. And when he went over there, it was actually a dangerous time. But he, he went over there. He didn't have very good uh, feelings, you know, when he first arrived. But then the next day was Sabbath day and he felt very differently. And he, in his journal, he said that he, he wandered aimlessly with his companion, Hugh Cannon. And among all places, he went to the Forbidden City, <laughs> the, the, the palace of the emperors. And he, in his journal, he said he walked into a Cypress garden. And when he first walked in, there were still a few souls over there. But soon they left 
and they, the two of them found them found themselves completely alone. He said, in this city of a million people, the two of them were completely alone, and he felt that the spirit of God just just filled them, and and that was the right place where they should dedicate this land, the preaching of the gospel. In in the whole year, you know, world tour. China was the only place where he dedicated uh, the, the, the country. And, and, and his, uh, in, in his uh, uh, dedicatory prayer, he asked, he prayed uh, with Heavenly Father to cease the famine, to cease the, the, the conflict, to bless the people. And to me, the most significant phase is that he, he asked Heavenly Father to grant one day the young men and young women of this country may may be able to, to spread the gospel, preach the gospel in their own tongues. And, and every time when I read this part of the dedicatory prayer, I, I, I try to imagine myself maybe in heaven looking down and knowing that one day I too will have the opportunity to bear, to share this gospel in my own language. And, and that was really touching to me. And after that, he stayed on in China for a couple of weeks, and then he, he left China, and, 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 and that's two weeks later, he was in Laie. And so when he was in elementary, Laie Elementary and saw that flag-raising ceremony, he didn't just learn about all this culture, you know, the Filipinos, the Japanese, the Chinese, from, from encyclopedia. He, he didn't just come from U.S. mainland and saw these cute little kids. He actually was there two weeks ago. And later on, he went back again after that flag raising ceremony. So he connects with these children of this diverse background in a very personal way. And, and, and so when he said, you know, one day, um, this young man and young woman will go forth and uh, bring forth international peace, he, 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 he knew it. He, he, amongst all people, he was one who could f- feel the, 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 in China, we'll say the, ma- the, the mandates of, of heaven uh, for these individuals to uh, accomplish their own missions. And, and so we, we feel very honored to be a part of that. And, and we, we try to continue to, to take, take his charge very, very seriously. Uh, I can see that you already have, you know. Um... It is wonderful to hear these stories and hear especially what um, Elder McKay experienced in China, you know, and to see the work that you both are doing and wanting to do in your own countries and helping to spread the gospel. And you're already doing that. Um, I know our time is, is up, but I thank you for sharing all of those things with us today. It's been a wonderful opportunity to really hear these stories and to speak to you again. Before we uh, close things off, would you like to share a few last words about what your big dream is as we started with your your title? (laughs) Would you start, Joyce? Okay. Uh, I always say, you know, the gospel brings us hope. But it is through higher education that pulls us out, many of us, out of generational poverty, cyclical poverty. And I always say, when I wrote to apply for BYU Hawaii, I was very, very poor. You know, I saved up for my mission 
everything. My parents have to borrow money to pay the airfare to fly over to Hawaii. And I said that if I applied to BYU Hawaii, say, if you accept me, I will spend my whole life to build the Lord's kingdom. And that's what we did. We keep our promises. And when you are willing to work for the Lord, he will direct your path. So trust in the process. When you're in BYU Hawaii, secular learning is outside of a classroom. Be involved with so many things, leadership, communication skills, everything. And when you come back, you serve. You serve hard because the Lord will bless you and ask you to bless more people. We have the opportunity to lay back and serve in the local ward, but we chose to serve in the Chinese ward because we know who we are. When I was 15 in the seminary in Singapore, I felt the Spirit says, Richard Ang told me, one day some of you will serve the Lord in China. And I felt that spirit and I felt that call. So even though I'm a fifth generation overseas Chinese, I feel that. And it's a journey. And you love all Chinese people and you love everyone. Everyone, no matter you're Chinese or anywhere, you value them. And that's the Aloha spirit we want to share. And believe, believe that the Lord will put you in places uh, to do much good and there to step up on the plate and serve. Yes, definitely. I love that, Joyce, that hope. But I also love that you both talked so much about the spirit and listening to the spirit, and that's what's brought you to where you are today. Yeah. yeah. Now, at that, like uh, what I said in the beginning, every time when we uh, uh, when we try to get out of our comfort zone and do our best uh, to uh, achieve what the Spirit promised to do, regardless what other people tell you, that's dreaming big, to, according to my definition. And um, I remember Jude, Sister Julie Pibak of the Real Society said that uh, if we, we will just do our best, and follow the spirit, and regardless of what the result is, uh, that is a success in life, and that's the success that we want to pursue. And in the uh, future, uh, I, I think we will want to continue to 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 the in the path that we have been pursuing. We we continue to see that uh, our our surface is among uh, our own people. And uh, we want to we want to serve. We want to learn. There's there are still a lot of things to learn, and um, and and I think if we can we can continue to do that, we'll we'll have fun in the journey. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much again for sharing. I mean, you both have definitely helping to fulfill the mission of BYU Hawaii. You are a genuine goal, and. Mm -hmm. um, that model that we all see every day, go, you know, enter to learn, go forth to serve. You are definitely helping to be those examples to each of us. We try. We, all, we are all trying. Yeah? <laughs> but thank you so much for being with us today and helping to um, share these stories um, about your journey, BYU Hawaii journey and beyond. And also reminding us of um, our purpose here and um, sharing that aloha spirit and continuing to serve.
wherever we can. So thank you again. Okay. All right. Well, we'll end our podcast right now. And um, alumni, thanks for hanging in there. There's a few of you that are still here with us, and we appreciate your time as we've uh, spent this wonderful hour together with the Chans. I want to thank them for being our, our guest today. I want to thank you for being our guest today, too, and, and um, participating with us every week. I want to thank our students also for helping us to run these podcasts. We have a team behind us that helps to make this happen, and we're very grateful. Um, we'll end today with just a quick reminder of our upcoming Mentoring Monday podcast, which will take place uh, on Monday, this Monday at 3 o'clock Hawaii time with alumnus Jack Soren, one of our alumni that, are, that have been doing very well in our community and art. He's um, well-known and just a young young man that's doing quite well. We also have another couple that will be joining us next week, Friday, the uh, Tuyoni and Mahana Polotu. They'll be joining us on Aloha Friday at 3 p.m. Hawaii time. That'll be a special Founders Day um, podcast. Tuyone is uh, one of our labor missionaries, and both of them also attended Church College of Hawaii. So you're in for another treat. Join us again next week and again on Monday. We thank you again, alumni and friends, for joining us today. Have a wonderful weekend, and happy Aloha Friday. <music>